Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Uh, it's drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Check them out. I'm John Aginner. He's Andy Vance. Let's talk to the Northwestern. Let's get into it. I want, I want to jump right into it. We've had a few days to percolate on this Friday matchup. I, the very first question I want to ask you, Andy, because I, I'm, I don't want to go on a huge 20-minute rant to start the Dubcast. How did you feel about the Friday game? How did, did Was it everything that you could have imagined? It is it is absolute trash, and the Big Ten <laughs> should be ashamed of itself for yeah. going all in on such a – I don't mind a blatant money grab. That's how you really grab. feel, Andy. Come on. Don't I hold anything back. Man, I don't mind a blatant money grab like because you're in the business to be in business, and let's just be real sure. about it and, and put on our big boy pants and go on. But, man, alive, of all the blatant money grabs to go after – this is one you could have said, hey, maybe we set this one out. So right. here are the reasons, and they are several. One, Friday night should be sacred for high school sports. Agreed. End of story, period. Football Friday night is is the real deal. And every, uh, you know, red-blooded football fan in the land remembers or has memories of or kids that play. Friday night, you should be in a stand somewhere at a local high school screaming bloody murder. That's right. one thing. Two, uh, I think that for most of us, Saturdays in the fall are are this almost like quasi-religious experience. You have your routines, or your, you know, whether it's a tailgate or or it's just you know loading up the crock pots at your your uh, man cave or home of choice, uh, wherever you watch the game. You know, there's a certain ritual to Saturdays in the fall, aside from the dreaded bye week, and. It was weird to me having a Saturday <laughs> that didn't involve Ohio State football, and I didn't like it. So, yeah, yeah, I have I have nothing but bad things to say about an Ohio State game being played on a Friday night. Let's not do it ever again. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you used the word weird because uh, that's that's exactly how I felt about it. You know what? So here's the deal, right? So we, um, you know, we've got the Slack channel, right, and or the Slack program. We got all these channels, and everybody's typing and about stuff, and then trying to run the site and all that. And usually on game days, it's pretty bumping, right? Like the game day Slack channel, everybody's making little comments, everybody's contributing. And I just noticed that during the game, there was like a thirty minute lull where nobody was saying anything because we're all just kind of sitting there, like, what? What are we doing? <laughs> like this is like it. It felt weird. It felt like an exhibition game in part because you've got you know, a, a tremendous, you know, 49 point blowout. Um, and, and that was great. And you love to see Ohio State perform well and do all these fun things. And there were some really interesting plays. Uh, but I just got to tell you, man, like I, I'm with you. I, I hate this Friday uh, game thing because it's just, it, it doesn't feel like it's a college football game anymore. It just feels something apart from that. And I didn't enjoy it. Like I really didn't enjoy the vibe around it. I mean, enjoyed the win. Obviously that was kick ass. But sitting there, kind of just like twiddling your thumbs, and it's, you know, the game starts at eight forty, so it's eleven o'clock at night, and there's another quarter to play, and you're just like, man, I just want to, I want to go to bed. Like this is ridiculous. Well, hey, and I'm um, going to tell you the truth. So what we did that was even su- that made it even super weirder. So our uh, our little tyke, the center of my universe, my my only baby girl, is a huge fan of the American Ninja Warrior series, and so she does a Ninja Warrior class every week. And, and fantastic! Uh, someday will be you know the next uh, Jesse Graff, Michelle Warnke. Uh, this is kind of Michelle Warnke, by the way, uh, Columbus area 
Columbus area. I don't know if she's a native, but she's around she, here, right? Yeah, and, yes, indeed. And and that's uh, that's where the little tyke trains. And Incredible. So we were, amazing. We were at Michelle's gym Friday night because it was uh, tryouts for the six to eight year old team. And the little tyke wanted to try out. So you know what? My baby girl wants to try out for the team. By golly, yes, I'm going to be there. Because what? Friday night should be for the kids. And <laughs> so we went. And so what I did, of course, I faithfully set the DVR kickoff was you know, darn near midnight as it was. So we, we, I wasn't too worried about missing much of the game, but man, you know, as, as 11 o'clock came and went and I caught up, you know, around about halftime, it was hard to stay awake during that third quarter, Johnny. I, and, and I felt bad as an Ohio state fan watching the game dozing off during the third quarter. And, and you know what? This is your fault, Big Ten. It's all your fault. I'm not taking any responsibility for that. It's on you. Yeah, it's it was it was dumb as hell. And hopefully they've learned their lesson from the you know millions of dollars and the tons of you know viewers that they got. Uh, so I'm sure they'll never here's, do it again. Here's the uh, other thing <laughs> that you know you said that I I, I want to go back to. It felt weird, like like an exhibition game. And I saw yeah, some slack, yeah, some slack jawed yokel on um, Twitter, and I don't remember who it was you know, made some jab. They're like, oh, Ohio State played a high school game this week. And it's like, okay, that's kind of clever because Friday night should be a high school game. And it was, uh, you know, a huge blowout and it was over, you know, early in the second quarter, really, and so on and so forth. But that that's the other thing. If that game was played on Saturday at noon, um, okay, you look back at the scoreboard and say, wow, Ohio State beat the tar out of Northwestern. But Friday night, all eyeballs are on it you can be impressed with Ohio state because you can't find much wrong with them, but it's a lot easier to dismiss the opponent. Right. When you're like, Oh, this just looks like circles around them. Yeah. Because it, and and here's the other thing. And this is, I mean, I guess Ohio state could have had the opportunity to maybe set the agenda for the weekend, but if nobody really cares about the opponent, I don't know that you get that chance. And here's the thing. What's interesting to me is that you look at the other teams in the top 10, some of which struggled, some of which lost. And, you're like, okay, Ohio State, you know, they've got a chance here to make some moves, you know, bump themselves up in the eyes of some of the voters. I, I personally think they're they're fine at this point. As long as they went out, they're they're good to go. Um, and especially like you gotta win out considering what happened with Wisconsin. We'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just it felt like everything was kind of lessened because you don't get to like you know, while Alabama is struggling with Tennessee, right, until the third quarter, you can't at the same time say, well, hey, turn over to the Ohio State game and watch what they're doing to Northwestern. Now, granted, Tennessee is probably a little bit better than Northwestern, but the point is you don't have that instant comparison. I think that kind of makes Ohio State suffer a little bit um, in comparison because of that. Uh, the game itself, I mean, look, it, it was domination. They, they did their typical, you know, like second quarter boat race. And after that, it was just like, do whatever you want. Um, here's another question that I had for you, and I'm not trying to take anything away from JK Dobbins. I think JK Dobbins is really good. I think he's fantastic. He's one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, I really think that it's possible we are underselling master Teague a little bit. And I just wanted to know how you felt. Cause that dude, again, he gets in at the end of games. I understand like there are different things, different dynamics going on, but he to me is running just as hard as I've seen JK Dobbins at the beginning of the game. And that dude looks like he's every bit the, the, like, you know, the thunder lightning kind of combo. This isn't to me like something where, okay, this is the guy who just comes at the end of the game. I really think he can be an essential part of the offense going forward. Yeah. I started to tweet something earlier in the weekend and, and I stopped myself because the way I was framing it in my head, 
I, I thought it was going to end up being a slam to Teague, and I didn't mean it to be, but it says something when Ohio State's garbage time running back is fourth in the conference in rushing yardage. Right. I mean, that, should, that should tell you how <laughs> unbelievable Ohio State's rushing attack is, that two of the four, and, and I believe it because I, you know, the, I was thinking he's, you know, he's getting most of his minutes in garbage time, and then again, I'm like, no, that's not – that's not really fair to him. And even if it is garbage time, he's such a great change of pace to Dobbins because they're, they're different style of runners. Um, it, I think Teague reminds me a little more of Carlos Hyde. Maybe it's more of that, you know, kind of downhill run. Yeah, but the, the dude tackles. can run too. That's the other thing. Like yeah. that's why I like Teague so much is because it's, it's not like, okay, he's going to get caught after five or 10 yards. It's, I mean, he had a, what, like he had a 70, how long was 73 yard run like he was just running away from cornerbacks i mean this i really think honest to god you know let's say jk makes the hop i don't think there's gonna be any drop off next season because the dude is just i think he is a really complete running back very early and i i would like to like again i don't want to take you know if, if jk's out there getting 150 175 yards don't take any carries away from that guy he's doing what he Absolutely. needs to do but if you find yourself in a situation where justin fields isn't as consistent as we've seen him, or maybe struggling to just, you know, find open receivers. I think you can do really interesting things with JK catching passes out of the backfield and master Teague still running it and, and having that traditional um, running back role. I, I just, to me, he's another weapon and an offense that already has a gazillion of them. And I don't know. I don't know that enough attention is really being paid to what his skill set is. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I think uh, the nice thing about the way this season's playing out when he is first chair, he's got plenty of experience under his belt. You know, you're not throwing him out there right? Exactly. Uh, as a greenhorn expected to step in after uh, what could end up being one of the, you know, top three, maybe, you know, most prolific running backs in, in school history. Or something right, along those exactly. lines. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to, th- you noticed me doing some math in my head there. I'm like trying to think, okay, how far up this list can Dobbins get? Because he could be number two. He, He's making like George and Weezy and moving on up. Right. I mean, the dude, the dude, I mean, he's not going to catch Archie, obviously. I mean, even, even if he comes back senior year, that's not happening, but uh, the dude 100% has the ability to get that second spot at the end of this season, which I think is just incredibly remarkable. Um, Justin Fields had a good game, not insanely great, but he still had four touchdowns for the air, which is just, <laughs> like, it's, it's ridiculous that we expect that. Like that's yeah, just, you go back of, and like, re- oh, yeah. re- replay what you just said. Like, Oh, he right, only exactly. accounted for four touchdowns. It was not a. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's just something we're, we're like, standard oh, that's, he's helped set. Right. Exactly. And, and Dwayne Haskins too. And, and really this is <laughs> sometimes I go back when I watch these games and I think it's so ridiculous how radically our expectations have changed in like 10 years, basically. Because if you told me that, you know, it would be normal for an Ohio State quarterback to throw three or four touchdowns a game through the air, I would laugh at you in 2009. I would like call you an idiot. I'm like, that's stupid. Nobody can do that. That's not even possible. Like That's not something quarterbacks are capable of doing, unless you're at like Hawaii or Texas Tech. Um, And so, you know, for Justin Fields to be as – uh, composed and, and mature as he is as a quarterback right now, I think it's just bonkers. Um, it's unfortunate. I, I really think that stat wise, it's going to hurt him uh, in the Heisman race, but uh, he's he's been incredible, obviously. You know, look, Northwestern, you you, you love S&P. This is where I would I challenge you a little bit on Connolly's um, ratings. 
someone. I know. I have a feeling where you're going. And I think you know where this is going. (laughs) But Northwest, what? They were like a top five defense, according to S&P Plus, right? Top five defense. And and, and Ohio State puts 52. Look, I I want to believe that Ohio State is the best offense of all time. (laughs) I don't know that I necessarily believe that. So I am just curious how do you contextualize this offensive output against a supposedly elite defense? Yeah, I really, I do struggle with that aspect of um, the SP plus, you know, one of the things I like about SP plus is it's designed to be somewhat predictive. So, you know, for example, when I'm making my picks uh, for our house money series, which is one of my favorite series on the site, I rely heavily on that because it's designed to be sort of predictive. But I think where it struggles is when you have a team that is so, um, you know, strong on one side of the ball and abysmal on the other. So that's where I think it really falls apart. Because if you look at Northwestern um, and they fell 12 spots in the aggregate SP plus this week because of the, (laughs) the the thorough (laughs) beating. You have 52 points. (laughs) I mean, so, but I mean, they're down to 74. So that's where, you know, you look and say the aggregate number. So they started out, they would have been 60 seconds. So you would expect the number one team in the country to beat the holy hell out of the 62nd team in the country, right? Like you would expect yeah. that. It's where it gets tough is when you look at the offense-defense split. Um, and so they were like, I think, number five. They dropped their defense to number 16. So that's, you know, that's a significant drop in the defensive rankings. La- going into that game, by the way, they were statistically the worst offensive team in SP+. Plus. They were, you know, 130 <laughs> out of 130. Which is incredible. Really. They actually moved up to 125. After- <laughs> <laughs> I think that means some well, other teams, you know, fell off is what I think it means. Here's the thing I'll say about Northwestern. You know, they had some success defensively early, you know, getting some stops. Ohio State was trying to run into the teeth. And where, where the, al- I don't want to say the algorithm, but where the data has trouble rationalizing what's actually happened on the field is when you you look at the total depth and talent differential like as a whole ohio state could field three teams worth of first team talent sure on both sides of the ball compared to northwestern you you know like there's there's just not much of a drop-off like we were talking about a moment ago with ohio state's running backs as an example well, um, actually, so here's the thing, though, because this is where I'm curious about what it means for Wisconsin, right? So if Northwestern, right, okay, so Northwestern, definitely, I mean, if you look at S&P Plus, I, I think I agree with you. It, it's really hard when you have that big of a dichotomy between, like, parts of the, it just, I think it screws with his formula. Yeah. Um, because it, it, his formula, and I do have some problems with Bill Connolly. Oh, it's not perfect the, by any stretch. Well, just... I have a philosophical problem. Let me put it that way. Oh, I, I believe, on here's my thing. I believe that it's very difficult to be predictive uh, when the sample size is this small yeah. uh, before you have enough data. So for me, it's not even really applicable until like real late in the season. For me personally, when I want to see, yeah, I, I, mean, I just think there's so many wild things that happen with this stuff. And I'm like, you need more data, dude. Like, I don't know that the, you know, these three games against, you know, one bottom feeder Sunbelt team and then an FCS team. Like, I don't know that it means anything. Um, and the problem to couple, you know, to echo what you're saying, you'll see this when he comments about each week, you know, on Twitter and he'll reference something. Somebody will ask him about, well, what about this team? And he'll, and he'll say, well, there's still a lot of, you know, the preseason 
weighing in there, you know, right. so looking at what we knew from last year and preseason expectations. And there was something like even in week six and seven where he was still referencing, you know, yeah. kind of preseason data right. falling out of the formula. And I'm like, well, <laughs> but it's because of what you said. You've got to have so many data points. Yeah. And, and it's, make it work. Me, that's it. Well, so here's the thing. I like, I like the advanced statistics and a lot of other sports. Like I think with baseball, I'm a huge, you know, sabermetrics kind of guy. Uh, even in basketball, I'm like, I love Ken Pomeroy. I think he does incredible mm-hmm. stuff. I just think with those sports specifically, it's so much easier to have massive amounts of data to try to create predictive algorithms from and in football it's a lot harder because you don't have the same amount of plays in a game and you don't have as many like very like with baseball right like you're, you're throwing a pitch to a batter you know multiple times in an inning. That, that that's pretty much the only thing that can happen mm-hmm. with football there's so many different variances in what's you know allowed to happen and can't happen and that's actually my problem with pro football focus and their stuff with college is that yes. they have these yeah they have these things where like oh yeah we we like measured how many times that this guy ran off tackle on a thursday evening i'm like how many times did that happen like four like what right. they, like where do you get your data from on that because it really doesn't feel like like substantive when you're trying to make predictions about stuff regardless this is what i really want want to know when i want to get it. this last thing i'll i'll talk about with northwestern um aside from the incredible 55 yard field goal, which was the highlight of the game, by the that way, was sweet. Freaking awesome. super Freaking sweet. sweet, loved it. Um, but my question is this. So Northwestern didn't like their yards per carry average. Wasn't great. It was like 3.3 or something like that. Um, but as a team, they ran for over 150 yards at times. They were able to pick up first downs, move the chains, get some momentum with the running game. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't think Isaiah Bowser was going to be a huge threat to Ohio State's run defense, but at times he was a little scary. Does that give you any pause going into the Wisconsin game with Jonathan Taylor? Because to me, that's people are talking about Ohio State hasn't shown any weakness. There's no weakness whatsoever. I'm a little worried about injuries at linebacker and defensive line, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm worried about Jonathan Taylor exploiting that a little bit. I still think Ohio State's going to win, spoiler alert, but uh, that gives me a little bit of pause. And I don't think Ohio State is this invincible uh, you know, juggernaut that's shown no weaknesses because I think you've seen the cracks emerge just a little bit. So the thing I would counter with that, the reason maybe I'm less nervous about Wisconsin and it has nothing to do with them losing a blankety-blank football game last weekend like a bunch of dunderheads. <laughs> right. what, what I see there is, is Ohio State is so complete uh, and we've talked about this, I think, what, what week of the season this week eight. So we've been talking about this for about eight weeks now. Right. Um, they're so complete and Wisconsin isn't that complete. So, and, and since we were talking about Connolly's data, if I, if I look at, you know, high state now this week, number one defense in the country, uh, according to the SP plus ratings, number five offense this week after um, the Northwestern game, number one defense in the country, number five offense, that's, that's pretty balanced go to Wisconsin, uh, number two defense in the country, and number 22nd offense. So that's maybe why Taylor, yeah, no doubt, he's he's legit. Um, is he as good as J.K. Dobbins? Eh, you know, differing, <laughs> uh, differing minds can, you know, can come, come to their own conclusions. Uh, but Bowser, you know, Bowser did find some success, um, but that offense, it was not complete enough to support him you know, uh, there, there was nothing else there. 
right. could get and his and his overall stats weren't just mind blowing at the end of the game. You know, his long was only like sixteen yards, I think. Sure. Um, four yards of carry is pretty good, right? Like you'd take four yards of carry uh, if you were in Ohio State and had two <laughs> running backs on your team, you know, averaging season long, like six and seven yards a carry, yeah, exactly. you know, but, uh, but, but that uh, Taylor, Taylor's a unique beast. There's no question in my mind, Wisconsin's going to be, you know, the toughest team the, the, the Buckeyes have faced so far. Uh, but I don't know that I think they're complete enough to do any more than say, okay, that was a good test for Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, They've definitely, I mean, if you look at their offense, it really is Jonathan Taylor, and that's about it. Like, Cone, Cone is definitely, I mean, he can play well. He's also played really poorly in some games. Um, so it, it really, to me, if Ohio State can consistently stop him, then especially at the beginning of the game, I'm, I'm cool. I don't, I don't have any real worries about that one. But uh, I do, you know, it, it just really is going to be about setting that tone early and making sure guys like Browning are healthy and able to, you know, do what they need to do. Um, you know, I the, the interesting thing is, and we're going to look kind of the national scene here. You know, people look at Ohio State and they see a team that's seven and zero, as is like you know twenty other teams, really, because there's a lot <laughs> undefeated. They see a team that's seven and zero, and I the the most common refrain that I see is they haven't they ain't played nobody, right? So yep, Ohio yep. State hasn't played any decent teams. Now, again, if you look at not even just S&P plus, if you look at how these teams have just performed, um, you know, record wise, they, they've played some legitimate teams like Cincinnati is, you know, their only blemish on the season has been against Ohio state. They're climbed up to 18 in the, uh, in the AP, so, which is great. I just think that, um, and we've talked about this, the, the last month is going to be bonkers. I don't know. This is the part of the season where I'm looking at these other teams. I'm looking at Alabama struggle with Tennessee, which, by the way, wasn't after like it wasn't because Tua got hurt. They they were having issues before Tua got hurt. Right. Um. You know, I see Clemson obviously where they're just like, for whatever reason, uh, Trevor Lawrence definitely has been huffing his own farts a little bit, and it's just like you know he's like I'm Trevor Lawrence. I want I want a championship. I will make these throws. Um, and he just like hucks them up, uh, and LSU, LSU is a great team. I would say them with Ohio state look the most complete. Uh, I'm not super sold. And then of course you got Oklahoma and, and people have the same comments to them. I just don't know. Um, I guess my question to you, and I'm, I'm curious about how you feel about this is, do you believe that Ohio state is more legit? I don't want to say legitimate, but do you think they've proven as much as those other teams that people put in the top four or five? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I'll, you know, I, I like to go back to data because I think your, your eye test will, will lie to you sometimes. Sure. Um, so I'll, and I won't get too hung up on the, the Connolly data. So we'll, we'll go over to uh Sagrin because I like Sagrin's um, strength of schedule rating so we were talking about that a few weeks ago where at the time ohio state was like number 19 um and the only team in the top 10 that had a stronger strength of schedule was auburn at the time i think auburn had the number one schedule auburn's dropped to number seven ohio state's dropped to number 32 and you say oh 32 strength of schedule that's not that, that's not all that great well uh you follow that number three in the among the current top 10 would be oregon like 36 alabama's strength of schedule is only number 52 yeah. Uh, you know, you go to Clemson, um, talk about something, a team that you feel like has been playing a high school schedule there. Theirs is maybe tougher than I've been giving them credit for. According to Sagan, it's like 43. 
yeah. uh, their schedule. But I just I look and say, man, they've uh, they've got one win against the top thirty at this stage. Most of the other undefeateds have two. So you know, Ohio State has two, LSU has two, Penn State, Auburn. Now Auburn's got you know two wins against one loss versus the top thirty, and Wisconsin has two wins against top thirty teams. So you know th- th- those those Big Ten teams um, in the East Division at least. Are, are legit and Ohio State hasn't played you know hasn't played two of the biggest ones on <laughs> its right. schedule yet so we'll we'll you know curb our enthusiasm but the teams Ohio State's beaten with the exception okay Northwestern was not super great uh they've been decent teams I think Ohio State is more well tested at this stage compared to some of those other teams in the in the top uh, 10 who just really haven't played any super strong competition worthy of them yet and the truth of the matter is, I don't, I don't know that a lot of teams have played a lot of really decent. I mean, it really, I mean, you've had some of these marquee games, and you see a game like you know Penn State and Michigan, you're like okay, like ostensibly that's that's a game, and that's that's something everybody's going to be watching all that. But to me, to this point, it really feels like there's been maybe a half dozen like really relevant games. And then the rest is just teams kind of padding their resumes a little bit. Clemson. Look, I mean, you talk about Clemson Clemson's most important game remaining on their schedule is what Wake Forest. Like, Oh yeah. Maybe South Good. Carolina. Like I, to me, that's like it just amazes me that you have situations like that at the top part of it where it's like, okay, well, I guess that's, that's a potential for an upset. Wake Forest is a, you know, decent. They're six and one, whatever. Um, whereas Ohio state, I mean, again, Wisconsin just lost to Illinois and a ridiculous game where really that was not like a situation where it seemed like a fluke, you know, we're just, Oh, Wisconsin's just tripping on themselves or maybe there's some bad breaks or something like that. Illinois was hanging there with them and, and really was playing them tough, uh, throughout that game. So that was, that was a little bit of a shock to me. I did not expect that at all. Um, but I, you know, it's to me, it's it's just it's a situation where you know everybody's trying to like you know have this resume and, and, and prove that they're better than each other. But really, it's not going to happen until this last month of the season. And Ohio State's got you know three huge ones coming up that they're going to you know the last two of the season obviously are going to you know I think in in the eyes of the rest of the country really kind of solidify um, Ryan Day and and company as like a playoff team. But it's not going to be until then, and that's the that's maybe the issue for them. I kind of uh, made a joke on. Twitter earlier, uh, something the effect of you know, talking about the Wisconsin, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's silly of people to sleep on Wisconsin now because they lost a game as, as Ohio state fans should know very well, right. good teams. I won't say great teams, but good teams can lay an egg. <laughs> it, right. it happens. Yeah. And the thing you got to remember too, uh, Illinois is coached by a super bowl champion. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're not, <laughs> How long can you ride that though? Like, I'm, I mean, hey, you know, look, I I love, right like, now? love you, Smith. Love him to death. Love his beard. But I, I got to tell you, man, like, <laughs> at a certain point, that 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 runs out a little bit. That runs a little dry. I got to believe. I I look and say, gosh, you know, Lovey beat the Badgers with Brandon Peters at quarterback, throwing a whopping nine of twenty-one for <laughs> right. one hundred and seventy yards. Um, you know, <laughs> you yeah. Know, you, were t- you mentioned Cone there earlier for the Badgers. I mean, he was 24 32, 264 yards, but, you know, one score versus one pick. Peter's QBR was like 40. Yeah. Uh, Cone's was like 80. You know, so, I mean, there was a massive difference there. 
And hey, you know what? They won the darn game. And I, I beat up on Clemson a lot. You were, we were talking about them. I beat up on Clemson a lot because just, I don't know. Uh, you, you said it about Lawrence. I'm like, can you calm down, sunshine there? You, you've got to, <laughs> you, you know, again, you know, there again, how long can you ride that <laughs> to, right. defending national champion thing? You get high on your own supply. But they're, you can only play the games that are in front of you, I guess, you know, and so I, I get a little frustrated sometimes at Ohio State's um getting that you know ain't played nobody rap after a game like the northwestern game but you can only play the games are in front of you and that that's true for the teams i like to rag on as well so i guess i gotta be i gotta be equal opportunity there maybe yeah well so the 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 last game that we do definitely need to make note of and maybe this will be a good segue into the next part is uh michigan penn state i obviously you know i'm, I'm watching this thing and you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Michigan, but did you watch that game? Uh, I did not. Well, I shouldn't say that. I watched. Uh, I didn't watch it in its entirety. I didn't. Okay, I don't blame you. Entirety. And, <laughs> and so you've conditioned me to know it's going to be bad football for. Well, it's not just that it's bad football. It's just excruciating <laughs> to try to watch Michigan do anything. And it, the, the the real, what's really wild about watching Michigan play football is that everything that they do just seems like even the most simple thing, like, okay, we just need like four yards. That's all we need. We're just going to run a little off tackle thing. We're a little Dave play. We just need four yards to get a first down. Everything that they do is like pulling teeth. It is just unbelievable to watch this supposedly well-oiled offensive machine with a, you know, a head coach that knows what he's doing, getting paid millions of dollars. It is just unbelievable to watch them struggle to do basic football things. And, you know, again, they they came really close to sending that thing into overtime and having this epic comeback against Penn State. And, and you know, again, possibly winning in overtime. That would have been awesome for them. Um, but, like, the entire time, it's like, it's just watching somebody with a, you know, a 45-pound dumbbell on their back trying to do something. Like, it's it's ridiculous. They sh- It should not be this difficult to do very basic football things. And that's what's wa- like what it's like watching them. Penn State didn't play a great game. They really didn't. Um, but they were there was no way that they were going to lose that game because Michigan just can't get out of their own way. I think Michigan outgained them by almost like 200 yards, something like that. Uh, had like twice the amount of uh, third and fourth down conversions. Didn't matter, right? Because it's it, they just cannot get out of their own way. And it just boggles the mind because I think Teddy said it well in the, the recap um, of conference play this weekend on the site, but this wasn't a terrible loss for Michigan. I mean, they, you know, they got beat by a touchdown, had had the chance to, you know, to tie it up and, and um, didn't get the job done, but you, you got beat by a touchdown on the road against the top 10 team in one of the most intimidating environments in, in college football. Like, okay, right. that's not the end of the world. However, comma, but it was inevitable. That was the thing. <sighs> that's it, the, yes, look, it was, it was Jim always Harbaugh, going to happen this way. <laughs> yeah. Jim Harbaugh against top 10 teams is now one in 10. Okay. <laughs> like it's inevitable. Like that should not be the case at Michigan, especially with the talent they have with the supposed coaching talent that they have. It shouldn't be this inevitable that they're going to lose. You shouldn't just kind of automatically assume that there's no way in hell they can win any of these games. And yet, that's where they're at. So, you know, I just, again, I, I want Michigan to be good for the sake of the rivalry. I want them to be interesting, at least, and and losing for the sake of my sanity. Um, but, man, this just ain't getting it done. And I, I like I've said it before, I think they're going to have to get rid of the dude because it's just, you're going to get more of the same forever. It's going to be an 8-4, and 7-5, and 9-3 team for the end of eternity and they're not going to beat anybody good 
Um, but they'll they'll look crappy beating the teams they should. <laughs> and that's and that's where you're at. And that's that's stupid. Like that's just dumb. I wouldn't want to watch a team like that. There was so. a time when I think people were were ready to start making the analogy that it is Harbaugh the the John Cooper of Michigan. And and I've I've long since decided that's unfair to Cooper because Cooper won big games, just not that big. Just oh, not yeah. that. Just not that one. And when you, I mean, one in 10 against top 10, that's mind blowing. And then, you know, uh, five and eight against the, the named teams in the East division, nine and 12 versus ranked teams overall. Good grief. Like that's you're paying an obscene amount of money to win those football games in specific. Yeah. Yeah. And that's here. And here's the other thing, right? Like Michigan's got to play Notre Dame. Yeah. They still got to play Michigan State and they still got to play Ohio State. They're going to lose all three of those games. Period. I know Michigan State is no great shakes. Doesn't matter. They're going to lose that game to Michigan State. And I, I just think that team's falling off a cliff and it's going to accelerate. It's going to, they're just, their downfall is going to speed up uh, the closer we get to the end of the season. So Jim Harbaugh was angry about some ref stuff. Uh, he complained about it. We, we, there's an, a theme uh, with other coaches this past weekend complaining about the refs. You got Will Muschamp. Uh, calling the the officials gutless. You had Lane Kiffin, who, by the way, anytime like a coach is doing something like you know obnoxious or whatever, Lane Kiffin finds the way to like make it like better and actually like fun. <laughs> so, so he tweeted like he complained about the refs, but he did it in a way where he tweeted out a picture of uh, a bunch of refs like you know who are blind with like sticks and guide dogs and stuff, yeah. which you got fined five thousand dollars for. Um, are you are you pro? complaining about the refs or are you anti-complaining about the refs or at least not in the i mean i i assume you're pro lane kiffin complaining about the refs because it's funny but how do you feel about it in general yeah so lane lane was absolutely on key um and, and my thing is like we all as as a society complain about the refs right like it's just part of the deal i yeah. think it's gotten worse in the modern era i actually heard a really good podcast um Oh, and I've got a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lose the name of the guy that hosts it, but um, it's the guy that wrote The Big Short and and uh, oh, yeah, 27 yeah. other books in that genre. But he, he's doing this podcast, and and I can't remember the name of the podcast now. But he went to the NBA's replay center, you know, where they, they you know the kind of this, uh, the CIA type uh, facility in New Jersey or somewhere like that, where they're watching, you know, every camera angle of every game. Um, that's played in the NBA and, and then right. can, you know, when the official on the court isn't sure about the call, they can, you know, basically call the booth, so to speak. And they have 40 million camera angles to be able to say, yes, this, this is what happened. But you've seen more and more you know, LeBron James and, and the modern era of college basketball or college basketball, jeepers, professional basketball complaining about the refs happens frequently, right? Like there's, right. there's a lot more of that type of, you know, kind of it, it's a it's a super thankless job to start with from youth sports on up. So in general, no, I'm I'm not. You know, don't put yourself in a position where the ref can decide the outcome of the game. Uh, that's you know, that's maybe rule number one. It's a hoot and a holler when Joey Freshwater does it. Like it's just, <laughs> it's like you say, well, he has the ability to make it amusing, and everybody was on the same page. You know, yeah. that was that was the thing. It was like, yep, you can. You can make a funny social media meme about this because we're all right there with you, brother. When Harbaugh does it, it's like, eh, you were one in 10 against ranked opponents. Shut up. Right. And go right. Well, so here's the only the only caveat I would add to that, because I do agree with you. I, I think in general, it's, it's pretty lame. But 
Uh, I think football in general, college football, pro football, really doesn't help itself by having such inconsistent and weird rules where nobody really can decide on what certain things are. And that and that hurts that hurts the the officials, really, because you're you're basically left with all these contradictory, you know, things that you gotta do and, and interpret, and nobody's gonna be happy no matter what you say. Um, you don't necessarily see that in some of the other sports. I mean, obviously there's always going to be complaining about the refs, no matter what the sport is, but I just think football has really just kind of screwed themselves over with the way they've, they've asked their, um, referees and umpires and whatnot to, uh, to officiate, by the way, um, Lane Kiffin went on ESPN after that. And he said, I just lost $5,000 for a tweet. We have freedom of speech, but I guess around here, there's no such thing as freedom to tweet uh maybe maybe lebron james will come out and comment about it tomorrow so <laughs> <laughs> so again that's lane kiffin, old lane kiffin proving himself to completely redeem young lane kiffin i yes. think as a coach that's amazing uh i hated young lane kiffin i no love lane kiffin old cranky lane kiffin who hopefully will stay at fau for the next like 30 years i'm he's i'm, I'm down with it he can perfect fit this for the rest of his career um so that was fun uh, so that that's uh, that's kind of the national scene. I you know the big thing coming up. This is Ohio State's playing Wisconsin. This is something we've had circled on our calendars for the entire season, right? We we knew this was going to be a big game. Do you think that uh, it's been dampened a little bit because of that loss, or do you still like? Is this one that you're still like kind of you know nervous about? You know, getting sweaty palms, things like that. Yeah, I'd say there's no question in my mind that some of the blooms off the rose with this game because this, sure. you know, this was supposed to be. You were expecting, you know, college game day is going to be there. the The big noon game <laughs> right. going to is South going to be there right? on Fox. Yeah, they're yeah they're they're you know, going to the Dakotas, and that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, you're expecting you know this clash of the titans kind of deal, and it's going to be great, and it's wonderful, and hype, hype, hype. And now it's like, oh, okay, this is a game against the top twenty team, and it's going to be a huge test for Ohio State. I think people realize Ohio State is that much better than pretty much everyone else in their Wisconsin. I don't want to sleep on Penn State. You know, Penn State is going to be a good test as well, but right. it's you kind of feel like, hey, we've had seven weeks of Ohio State just bludgeoning to death every you know hapless squad that's put in front of them. You don't necessarily think it's going to be 52-3 to three when the Badgers roll into town, but I'd be very surprised if it's a, uh, you know, 17 to 14 slugfest. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I am, I am personally, I'm still a little, I'm still a little nervous about this game and, and maybe it's just because I'm not, I don't think Ohio State's going to lose, but I, I do think that it's going to be close right now. The line's at like 14, which is ridiculous. So that's, that's got to shrink. Um, but I, I think the, Wisconsin might give Ohio State some problems. I think Jonathan Taylor might give him some problems. So I, I don't know. I am not as confident maybe as I would be even after a Wisconsin lost to Illinois as, as maybe some other people are. But I'm excited about it. Obviously, we have the the Dubgate, right? Check it out. It's it's on the website. Donate to a good cause. Get some dirty francs at nine in the morning. Um, it's <laughs> like. And I, I've said this, right? A hot dog, a hot dog in the morning isn't a hot dog; it's a breakfast sausage. So just eat and enjoy, uh, you know, all the stuff that we're bringing down there. And you know, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll we'll give our predictions a little bit later on, but I, I just want to keep that Dubgate streak alive. You know what I mean? Ohio State has never lost on a Dubgate 
Saturday. So I want to keep that rolling. Um, so we'll talk about a little bit more. Got to ask us anything. Best part of the show. I love asking us yes. anything. Dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Uh, this first one here is from, uh, we'll, we'll just call him KD. Uh, KD wants to know. All right, he First of all, he says, longtime fan here, which I 100% believe and, and give credence to. I'm sure this guy's been listening since like day one. And he says, uh, question for you is good, bad, and ugly. Uh, who do you think is after the Michigan State, uh, or excuse me, Michigan-Penn State game, uh, what do you think is the biggest threat from each of those two teams? So we've talked about Wisconsin ad nauseum. Uh, what do you think is the biggest threat from Penn State, biggest threat from Michigan? Yeah, so I think Penn State's definitely that's, – that's the game I sort of moved the circle from Wisconsin to <laughs> Penn State after the – Oh, sure, right, game, exactly. You know, and, and maybe I did anyway. I think people are maybe sleeping on Penn State a little bit. Um, Michigan, yes, that's, I'm with you. There's two, maybe three more losses on the schedule for Michigan yet. So <laughs> that's just right. sort of the end of season formality at this point. But I think Penn State, Penn State's going to be a really good game. Um, that's, and if Ohio State wins that game, you know what? They've earned their way into everything that's coming after that. Uh, there's, there's no no doubt in my mind because they will have they will have played the toughest schedule of any of the power five teams for sure, oh, sure. um and and man penn state you know is more like ohio state in terms of a completeness um you know they're i'll go back to those ratings we were talking about earlier penn state's number eight offense number 12 defense uh according to Connolly's data so that's that's the kind of balance you're seeing out of ohio state so it's it's maybe maybe you'd say that's the poor man's Ohio State. I don't know. Maybe maybe don't want to be that disrespectful to them, but <laughs> I, I I think Ohio Penn State's more like Ohio State than Wisconsin is. No, no. Yeah, I would that. say. I mean, what what worries me a little bit about Penn State, and what I would say is that they definitely have some home run hitting ability, right? Like you look at their their wide receivers, and I don't think I don't think Clifford is like this incredible quarterback or anything like that, but um, I do think that they have the ability to. Um, you know, whether the storm like Ohio State is going to give these home run, you know, plays and stuff. And they're going to score touchdowns really quickly. Penn State, to me, is the one remaining team on their schedule that's able to do that same thing. And because yeah. of that, if you're able to, you know, like respond with a 75 yard touchdown run with a 65 touchdown pass of your own, that allows you to kind of, you know, make sure the momentum doesn't get completely out of hand. So I, I do think that they are dangerous in that aspect. And so I, I think their wide receivers really are the the players that I would look out for. Michigan, eh, I'm not worried about anybody from Michigan, frankly. Like, nope, I'm not going to happen. I Nobody on that team worries me, period. Because defensively, you, you can have some sound defensive players. It's not going to be enough when your offense can't do jack. And Shea Patterson, at this point, should be way ahead of where he is in terms of like skills and decision-making. And their wide their their wide receivers can be good, but uh, when your running backs aren't consistent at all, it's just like nobody really worries me on that team. So uh, yeah, I would I would say Michigan not a uh, not a nope. large personnel grouping that I'm I'm terrified of. Um, by the way, oh real quick, sorry before we move on, I do have to add this. Uh, Katie also wants to give a, a shout out to his uh, little brother Peyton. Uh, apparently, it's his tenth birthday today so that's really sweet. righteous that's adorable birthday, that's so adorable um 
that yeah that's that's really cute um okay so next question here this is from our good friend alvin alvin Alvin. wants to know does ohio state have a higher chance to win it all this season or next this season without question yeah and why do i agree why do you say that well so a couple i mean a couple reasons one um i think there's just something if you look at ohio state's recent national title success it's it's comes super early in the coach's tenure jim trestle urban meyer yeah. both like it it becomes harder to steer the ship the longer you steer the ship uh there's there's just something about that you know and you're dealing with the the success and complacency and and the game changing around you you know you, you, there's no question when you look at jim trestle who i have pledged eternal loyalty to um he you know i don't want to say the game left him behind because i don't believe that but watching Urban Meyer coach against Jim Tressel, you're watching two different, two different things happening right. on the field. And so then you look at Urban Meyer and in his evolution uh, at Ohio State in the later years, you, you know, there were times where, I mean, we've joked about it here, where, where you would just see him get so comfortable with the fact that a JT Barrett could just go out and get yeah. how many of her yards. And, and you could just see – like coach, you've got to, you know, you've got to move forward with some of this. You can't just rely right. on this to get the well, job done. And other uh, teams and so, have seen it too. That's the other yeah, thing. Like, for it's, sure. it's a lot easier to surprise people when people don't know what's coming. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I do think the earlier is the better and the way it is with, um, you know, Ryan day. I mean, people will eventually come around to trying to figure out his offense and scheme against it. And right now, you don't really know what you're going to get because he could be pulling out stuff out of his hat that he's been saving all season. And you just have no idea what he's going to do. Um, but you give him a few more years of data. Uh, I think it's going to be harder for him to do the same things that he's been doing. The other thing is that I think the top of the country is, is kind of weak this year, this season. I, I think that's, you have your opportunity. You need to take it because Ohio state offensively looks just as good as anybody else. And defensively, they look almost as good as anybody else. Like I, I still, again, I need to be convinced by shutting down Taylor, but they're right up there, especially with the likes of, you know, you look at Alabama, who's clearly not that great um, this season defensively. So, you know, I I think this is, I think this is a season where you really got to take advantage of it. And I would think that they would have a greater chance this season. The other part of it too is personnel, right? So, you know, right. Some of the superstars on this team and and grant, you know, Ohio state has become a, a proven NFL pipeline. There's no, no question about that. Uh, and, and so you're going to continue to see the influx of four and five star recruits because they know, hey, this is a sure thing. Uh, if you're good enough, your you know, Ohio State will get you into the league. And and uh, if you're you know, really good, it's a good chance you're going to be in a high round uh, here in, in recent years. So you're yeah. going to have that ability. But I, I just look and say, OK, there are two or three names we've been talking about in the, uh, quite a lot this season that they're going to go and they're going to be playing on Sundays now. And in a few of those instances, we were just talking about Master Teague. Hey, I feel pretty good about where the running back situation is going to be. Um, but, you know, there's something to be said about the star you know versus the star you don't. <laughs> right. right. So, and if everything's going really well right now, I mean, you want to you shoot your shot. Uh, next one here. This is from Nelson. Uh, Nelson wants so he's, he's kind of just bringing up real quick. So Fox Big Noon Show is coming to Columbus versus Ohio State versus Wisconsin. He kind of wants to know what is the interaction between the Big Noon Show and ESPN Game Day, right? Because he kind of expected ESPN Game Day to want to do that. Instead, obviously, they're they're going to the Dakotas, as we mentioned earlier. I, I'm actually interested to see how this works out because 
I think, I mean, really, they. I don't think you want to have an Anchorman situation, right, where they're showing up at the same place at the same time. And they got anchor a, fight. Yeah, you don't you don't want to see that. Um, I am pretty sure that they are doing everything they can to avoid that. And you know, if there's something where it's a one v two, you absolutely have to go to these games. They'll both go. I don't think they're gonna, you know, try to avoid each other to that extent. Um, but I do think that that you know, if logistically possible, they'll try to find different venues and stuff because it's it. Neither side really wants to have this conversation or confrontation right now, where it's like, let's figure out who's going to be the definitive, you know, college football game day experience on television quite yet. I, I think I think ESPN's confident being the top dog, and I think Fox is right now kind of conf- like happy building their base and and not worrying about challenging them yet. So I, uh, for me, I think they're going to try to avoid each other for as much as possible. I also think if ESPN or ABC were were carrying the Ohio state Wisconsin game. Cause that's going to be on Fox, right? Sure. Uh, so I think if ESPN were carrying that game, the decision, you know, there's, I, I believe, and I've seen no, that several, would definitely play into it. I, I, def- know, I 100% uh, agree with that. It was easier for them to say, Oh, Wisconsin lost. We don't need to go to Columbus right. for this game. Right. Cause we're not carrying the game. Like it was easier to say, let's find, let's find some other interesting storyline. And the, you know, and they'll do that. I mean, you see that every season where they go to some, place and you're like why are they going and there's always a neat story or it's you know what whatever it is and they're they're fantastic at that but i think that's really what's really fascinating from a media biz standpoint uh you know and we the 11 warriors uh team has some differing opinions about kickoff times that you love or hate or whatnot we talked about that (laughs) a few weeks back but i i think fox is making an interesting uh, business decision to say we're going to own this noon time slot instead of making noon you know, the sleepers and late season Big Ten games. Um, let's let, let's make a marquee game every week at noon and, you know, drive some more attention to that real estate. Now, it's, that's an ad play for them, right? That's advertising dollars. If we make make that noon hour, those three hours more valuable to advertisers, then that's, that's right. a good thing. Get our overall ratings up for college football on the Fox networks, and, and including Big Ten Network and other properties they, they own. You know, that that's an interesting business plan. It seems to be working out for them. People have been, I think, pretty upbeat about the big noon show and, and Urban Meyer has been a big part of that, no question. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that because I, I do think that uh what really is going to be the determining factor of you know how long term successful this, this is gonna be it's it's gonna be towards the end of the season, right? Are people gonna go during these big rivalry games and the college champion or the conference championships? Are they gonna go to ESPN to try to you know have this experience or they're gonna go to Fox? And Fox has positioned themselves pretty well because of you know what they're gonna be broadcasting. Uh I'm I'm really curious to see how those ratings play out at the very end of the season because I think that's really going to be a big determinant about you know how successful this experiment's been for them. Uh last question, real quick, is with this from Pete. Pete wants to know with Minnesota now sitting at six and oh, how many more wins does PJ Fleck need to guarantee that he beats out Ryan Day for the 2019 Big Ten Coach of the Year award? Zero. He could go he can like yeah. go five like lose every game for the rest of the way. He would still get it before Ryan Day would because I don't know if you know this, it's actually illegal for an Ohio State head coach to win Big Ten Coach of the Year. That is straight up in the bylaws. It is. It's a felony. It's a secondary felony. You go to jail for five, ten years. Um and it's like there's a whole process you have to go through mediation to try to get that off your record. Uh you cannot give that to a uh, Ohio State head coach because it's just it's illegal. Sorry, you're not allowed. 
That's I that's. Just, I don't know if you knew that, but it's true. Have um, friends? Have you talked to your kids about <laughs> eight and O Minnesota? Because we are we are on the cusp. I mean, I we're, saw. Hey, I saw this on Reddit today. Actually, somebody was speculating like, what if Minnesota wins out? Right? Uh huh. They get to the Big Ten championship game. They beat Ohio State. <laughs> You got to put them in the college playoff, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. Yeah, then, you do. That's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. But if it happened, I wouldn't be that mad about it. I would, I would be kind of pissed that Ohio State wouldn't get that opportunity. But a, a Minnesota team in the college football playoff, I would be laughing really hard. That would make let's, up for a lot of things. That would be pretty I mean, let's, let's Let's look through this here, you know, because here, here's how this is going to play out. So you got – you got Maryland at home Saturday. All right, that's a win. So we're we're, we're eight and zero. We're at eight and zero. All right, I'm going to give Penn State the benefit of the doubt on the week after that. I think Penn State's probably got a pretty clear upper hand, although they are playing that uh, in the Twin Cities. So okay. let's uh, let's say okay, we get to nine and one Minnesota. Now the week after that, all right, Minnesota Iowa. You know uh, that that one's being played in, in Iowa, so you might give Iowa the edge there. But I won't be at all surprised. If uh, PJ and company row the boat on back to Minneapolis with a win uh, over Iowa, which we could conceivably get us to 10 and one Northwestern. Well, we know what's going to happen there probably. That's so we get to 10 and two, <laughs> 10 and two, Minnesota. Come on. Uh, uh, How do you not like that? I mean, rolling it. No, no, wait a minute. I, I miscounted there. That's 10 and one, 10 and one, Minnesota, 11 and one, Minnesota. What, yeah. what are we even talking about here? Rolling into that last game of the season. Uh, that Wisconsin-Minnesota game just got infinitely more interesting than it I mean, was at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the season. You you had that chalked up as a as a no question win for the Badgers. Yeah, I and mean, and on. here we are like, a few months up. later. I mean, I mean, what's the I, line on that game going to be? They're playing it in Minneapolis. I I mean, it really depends on what they do against Penn State and some of the other teams. But I look that could be a pretty close. Like people could be looking at that as a pretty close game. And, you know, let's say, okay, so Ohio State beats Wisconsin. All right. Let's say they do that. Wisconsin's got two losses. Minnesota, I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> there is oh. a very good possibility that Minnesota's in the Big Ten championship game. And if they're dangerous, they're quote unquote dangerous, they win that damn thing. You've got <laughs> to put them in the playoff. So yeah, I just, yeah, for sure. I don't know. It, it cracks me up. I, I don't necessarily want to say that because I don't want them to take Ohio State's spot, obviously. But to I mean, me, that is definitely scenario two that I would accept. So And it and it comes right happens. down to that last game of the season. You know, that's uh, gonna be uh, that's gonna be the play in game for the Big Ten championship. Yeah. And because because Minnesota losing to Penn State doesn't matter, right? That that doesn't matter yeah. for them in the West. So you know, uh, setting aside that game, they went out. Uh, they're they're in. They got a good quarterback. They got a you know they've got a a decent running back. They've got. I mean, they're this is a team that can do some things. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, thank God, I'm I'm wiping my brow here. Ohio State gets to duck them until then. Um, <laughs> but last thing before we get out of here, uh, Wisconsin prediction. What's your score? I've been hovering in these mid forties, you know, the, the, like it's, I feel like every week when I submit my pick, it's like 42 to yeah, 14, 42 to 10. And Oh, I was so close this week. I felt really good. I, I think I, I clocked in at like uh 49 to 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 10 or something like that, or 49 yeah. to seven. I'm like, I missed it by just this much. Um, I'm going to go this game, Wisconsin, you know, they're, they're coming in, 
they're coming in going to be hungry because they've suffered this embarrassing loss. And I think this Correct. is a team that bounces back instead of, instead of wilting. Uh, it's going to be the opposite of what we were talking about with Michigan falling apart. They're going to come in hungry. They're going to want to prove themselves. Um, but Ohio state's offense is too darn good. We're going to look at uh 42, 17 Buckeyes. So I'm a little I'm a little more wary about this game. I think Wisconsin's going to be able to shorten it a lot through their running game. I so I I don't think Ohio State will have as many opportunities to score, you know, tons of points. I'm right now where I'm at is a little bit under the line. I'm thinking something like 32 to 20 Ohio State. And I just think Ohio, like Wisconsin's going to be able to shorten the game a lot. Um, just go on sustained drives. It might get them, you know, a field goal or something like that. But that's that's what I'm thinking. I, I still think Ohio State's going to come out with a win. I think they're just more talented overall. Uh, defensive line's going to eat. They'll be good. Um, but, yeah, ultimately Ohio State's – and, again, Dubgate stays perfect. So check it out. Obviously, it's going to be on Saturday. It's going to be on, uh, on lane there. It's going to be great. Definitely recommend you come down and say hi. And yeah, I, I think it'll be a good time. So until then, until we, until next time that we dissect this incredible victory, this, this establishing victory for Ohio state, I'm John Aginner. I'm Andy Vance. And we'll talk to you next time.